0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, March 29th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Free speech is under assault around the world and in the United States, but how should free speech be defended, especially when the rallying cry of fake news is seemingly everywhere, including the White House? Fleming Rose, senior fellow at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts. How do you react when you see a... The now president of the United States, uh, openly sort of denigrating media outlets, and uh, discussing uh, his personal treatment by members of the media.
1: Yeah, um, I think um, I think in general, uh, President Trump expresses an intolerance uh, towards not only the media but towards uh, people and ideas that he don't like and uh, people that in any way challenges him and i think that is that is uh, that is an example of intolerance that uh, that uh, does disservice to the um, office of uh, the President of the United States. That's a general observation that I don't think he's a very tolerant person. Uh, it's difficult for him to to handle uh, criticism. Um, uh, when it comes specifically to the media, I think he, you know, by, by, by calling the media the opposition party and dishonest people and disgusting people, he is contributing to the undermining of a very important institution in a democracy, uh, like uh, the courts, like Congress, like the, the presidency. Uh, 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 those institutions, they are based on trust uh, and they, 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 they cannot work if there is no trust in them. Having said that, uh, Trump, of course, is not the only and and first driver of uh, this undermining of trust in the media. The media has contributed to this process itself, and I think even though you know we have got rid of gatekeepers and that's a good thing. At the same time, um, uh, new media today, Publishers, things that, that wouldn't have been published uh, uh, you know, in earlier times, uh, um, sex tapes, uh, medical records, uh, revenge porn and all these kind of things that, that questions the media's um, ability to determine what is newsworthy. And, and the first amendment protection of the, the press was based on the notion that that the media was able to make a qualified and informed judgment about what is newsworthy. And 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 if you take the Gawker uh, case, uh, uh, that is an example of of uh, how the situation is changing. Even though, I mean, I think. Uh, 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 the plaintiffs, the, the plaintiffs himself, uh, I think Hulk uh, said that uh, it was true. I mean, I mean, uh, what 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 was said and done in this case was documented, um, and there was no lies. Uh, but nevertheless um, uh, Gorka went into bankruptcy uh, because of one $140 million uh, uh, dollar lawsuit uh, um, because courts don't Trust the media anymore to make this judgment about what is news uh, worth in and by itself, and and President Trump plays into that equation by further undermining uh, also you know established uh, media like the New York Times, like CNN, and and so on and so forth. Uh, and I and I and I think I think uh, I think that's that's a problem, and it's uh, it's not
0: good. Donald Trump, among others, uh, have thrived on in some ways being treated or mistreated by uh, media outlets or to be made the the butt of jokes um, and have used that as a weapon to make media appear less credible to the people who are already bought into Team Trump or uh, people who still call themselves conservatives in in America today and uh, for a large share of that audience they've essentially tuned out what are broadly speaking fairly credible news sources yes. what is the what is the cost what are the costs and benefits of that
1: um as i said i mean the benefits uh, in general um are that the the media have been has been democratized there's an open field um there there are no gatekeepers anymore you and i can communicate to uh, six billion people with a smartphone uh, without asking anyone that's a huge achievement um The downside uh, to all this is is, um, it has not only to do with trust or distrust in the media, but I think it's a general cultural thing that has to do with the fact that we cannot agree anymore about what is fact and what is opinion. Uh, Daniel Patrick Monaghan, uh, the late senator from New York once said that uh, everyone is entitled to his own opinion, but nobody is entitled to his own facts. That's not true anymore. Um, Trump and the people in the Trump administration insist now that there are alternative facts, and 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 that is really. Um, an, an undermining of what Jonathan Rausch called the liberal science model—that that that democracy, capitalism, and science is based on this free inquiry—that uh, no one has a final say and no one has a personal authority to determine what is the truth—it's going on. In a back and forth checking, uh, uh, coming forward with better ideas, uh, better hypotheses, and any, anyone can check them. And in that process, you establish what is a fact, and what is truth, and what is knowledge.
0: And on the other side of that aisle, I'd uh, chime in with uh, a line that Mitch McConnell uh, likes to use, which is the answer to speech you don't like is more speech. Exactly, and that's the whole. That's the whole. Um, uh,
1: that's that's the key argument by John Stuart Mill, that that uh, that the answer to uh, to bad speech is more speech, not less speech, and 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 falsity um, will. Be defeated through this uh, open-ended process, and and the truth will prevail. But what happens when 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 you cannot agree anymore about what is a fact, in spite of documentation, um, in in spite of statistics, uh, 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 and 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 I think Trump is really doing a disservice to democracy by by by. By undermining uh, what I will call the liberal science uh, model that has served uh, liberal democracies uh, so well, um, I, I think that is that is a huge challenge is it's not only Trump of course it's it's also you know the postmodern approach that there is no such thing as the truth the truth uh, that uh, that your values can be as good as mine uh, that you can have different perspectives uh, and and uh, uh, depending on who you are you may have a more right to say what you do and so on and so forth there are so many things in the culture that over the past decades have undermined this but I think Trump by not accepting facts, uh, is really um, hitting at at uh, at at one of the key
0: foundations of uh, of uh, Enlightenment values. There are uh, people who uh, sort of trade in outrage and uh, have made quite a good career of it, uh, being able to uh, attract a crowd that is opposed to them, uh, be it on college campuses or in in public speeches. And I feel like the American left, for lack of a better term, are groups of people who uh, in some ways have played into that and have helped enhance the reputations of people and made those people celebrities by expressing outrage. And and ultimately empowering uh, more extreme views than the, than otherwise would be prevalent in uh, conversations that we have in public.
1: But I think it goes both it goes both ways. Um, but we have a topical example right now with Milo uh, Yiannopoulos. Uh, I think is his last name. I was at UCLA uh, when when he was to speak at uh, Berkeley, and he never. Uh, got the opportunity to speak because uh, you know there was I think there was a fire and uh, clashes and and so on and so forth and I think the irony of this situation is that the people who are using violence or damaging property are the same people who are uh, arguing for safe spaces and attacking microaggressions and uh, they want trigger warnings uh, they want protection uh, and at the same time they 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 use violence and uh, uh, to shut down uh, points of views that they don 't like.
0: How do we get from uh, here to the kind of world where that uh, you and I would like to live in where uh, we do our best to Ignore opinions that we find extremely distasteful, and and otherwise encourage uh, a, a tolerance for opinions.
1: It it may sound uh, uh, counterintuitive, but I think the key here is that we teach um, kids or graduate students or young people to um, to being exposed to. Points of view that they hate, or that they actively dislike, uh, and be able to manage disagreements without uh, using uh, threats, violence, or shutting people down, uh, and and that is in fact the key of tolerance. That's the key notion of what tolerance implies: that you you do not ban. You do not criminalize and you do not use violence, uh, threats and intimidation to shut down people whose opinions you hate. Um, so we need to reinvent uh, the concept of, uh, of tolerance and and, uh, and and be aware of the mechanisms of social media that tend to reinforce your own opinions. Uh, you know, the things that you like and share on uh, Twitter and Facebook are usually uh, points of views, expressing points of views that are more like your own, that we should be more consciously uh, sharing and liking uh, things that are contrary to our own point of view. That that That's the way that you cultivate tolerance. Uh, tolerance... Um, uh, compared to to freedom is is a thing that we uh, that we have to learn i think you know most people they have in in it uh, drive for freedom. They, they, they want to do what they uh, without people inter- other people interfering. But tolerance is something that is really not in it to human beings. You, 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 you don't want to be exposed to things that you don't like. You don't want to listen to things that provoke you, uh, shut them out. Uh, I don't want to socialize with these people and so on and so forth. So, so tolerance is something that we need to teach. Uh, uh, children in uh, in in school and in society in general unfortunately the concept of tolerance has been turned on its head so basically now it means you are tolerant if you if you don't say offensive things you are tolerant if you keep silent uh, when people say something that you don't like, uh, and it's quite—it's exactly the opposite of what tolerance, in fact, means. It doesn't mean that you should—that you should not criticize. It means that you just don't ban and you don't use violence, threats, and intimidation. But it means that you speak out uh, and you manage your disagreements without criminalizing uh, or using violence.
0: And we—we we have lost that uh, understanding of tolerance in our culture. In the political context, I feel like there is a similar vein of thought of trying to shut down speech um, with laws that say, well, unless you are willing to jump through a whole bunch of hoops uh, to register your committee, to uh, pay these legal fees that are required for you to comply with this Byzantine system of compliance for the ability to engage in political speech, there was a huge movement on the American left to do exactly that. And Bernie Sanders most recently was was essentially the leader of that movement. But I can foresee a time when Donald Trump will ally himself, largely with Democrats, to put that kind of thing uh, into law.
1: Exactly, and I think that's going to be the test also of the conservative movement. Now, I mean, how how far are they willing to support Trump um, when when uh, if he starts walking down that road? Um, so far, it's most mostly um, you know on the left that people have uh, demanded hate speech laws or other kinds of laws uh, limiting uh speech or uh, association but uh, what what is the right going to say if uh, trump goes down that road and and you may remember uh, stanley fisher's uh, famous comment that there is no such thing as free speech <laughs> And he said, that's a good thing. I don't think so. But his point was that people usually are only willing to defend free speech as long as uh, it agrees with your own uh, point of view. Uh, But I think in general, um, in our time, and it's the same in Europe, uh, there there is a too strong belief in what laws can do. Uh, um, I don't think that that the law is the best way to regulate a lot of things. Uh, uh, In in Europe right now, there is this um, trend that, um, for instance, fake news. Uh, Many very influential European politicians, they want to criminalize fake news as if it was hate speech. Yes, fake news is a problem. Uh, I I agree, and we have to fight it, but I don't think that you fight it uh, uh, through criminalization. Because if you do that, then you end with some kind of ministry of truth. It's uh, government-sanctioned speech, and and who's to define? Is the government really in a position where they can decide what is is true and what is false? I don't think so. Uh, They thought so in
0: the Soviet Union, uh, and it didn't work out well. Fleming Rose is the 2016 recipient of the Milton Friedman Prize for Advancing Liberty, and he is a Cato Institute Senior Fellow. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.